Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Christian culture. This is Clint. This is Steve. So we are recording this in Houston where it snowed last night, and I only moved 1,500 miles to get away from that, but <laughs> here we are nonetheless, uh, and we were recording on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, uh, not to be mistaken with the Immaculate Reception of the 1972 uh, game with Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Oakland Raiders, which oh is gosh. celebrated <laughs> in my hometown of Pittsburgh. Uh, shout out to all of my listeners in Pittsburgh, which I'm pretty sure is just my mother, but... Uh, <laughs> nevertheless sort of moving in into what we want to talk about this week uh so recently i watched uh, thor ragnarok with some friends uh, one of which was of course clint i yeah, know yeah. we're we're uh, we're friends outside of this it's surprising but we are we actually we went with a couple of other friends too uh one of which was uh cody labe we'll give a shout out to cody <laughs> now something about cody is uh he absolutely loves movies and especially different like marvel movies and superhero movies it's like his favorite thing yeah if it's action-packed he'll he'll love it yeah and he had actually already seen it before twice so <laughs> a couple times yeah so when we went with him there was a one point in the movie where it, it was kind of a lull in the action it really wasn't that exciting and steve and i look over to where cody was sitting and he leans forward to where the point is. He's he's hardly even sitting on his seat anymore, and his hands are up on his chin, and he's got this biggest the biggest smile on his face like I've ever seen. Yeah, and, and keep in mind that these are like the really comfortable chairs at Cinemark that are basically just the recliners. And so he like unreclined, and he's like sitting up, perked up, waiting for something to happen. So we knew the climax was coming before it came. Yeah, I think afterwards I said something along the lines of, uh, I hope someday I find someone who looks at me the way that Cody looks at, uh, at these <laughs> at movies. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so it, was a good, it was a good movie. It was a really funny movie for those of you who haven't seen it. For those of you who haven't seen it and don't want massive spoilers, I suggest you go watch it, then come back and listen to our podcast. Not that you should never listen to our podcast, but that you should listen to our podcast after. Yes. Uh, for the sake of our, our that, um, tell all your friends to listen to our podcast. Okay, so the, there were a couple themes in that movie. Uh, the first theme was loss. So throughout the movie, Thor loses a lot, right? So he loses his home, he loses his father, and most importantly, he loses his glorious mane, that long, luscious hair. So we're going to give a small uh, moment of silence for that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and he, he still manages to look great afterwards. Yeah, so yeah, trust me. I mean, the, it's it's definitely a good look for him. But Oh, he loses <laughs> his hammer, which is a big deal. Oh, yeah. yeah um, I forgot that one. He loses his hammer because his sister, Hela, is super powerful and destroys this hammer that... Is supposed to be invincible, Yeah, it's... 
It's crazy. But I think it, you know, it kind of shows like, hey, this is a really big bad guy yeah. <laughs> sort of character. Yeah, she's really powerful. And so he eventually kind of finds himself lost in this junk world, which I think can be an allusion to us being lost in the junk of sin. Kind of reminds me of St. Augustine, right? That our hearts are less restless until they rest in you. Um, and just this sense of being lost that, you know, our hearts are ultimately what our podcast is all about. You know, our hearts are looking for God and sometimes we can get lost along the way. And he's got to fight his way out of this. Uh, obviously learning that the hammer, I guess, was actually not the source of his power, but a way for him to like focus it uh, and that the power was ultimately within him. And I think there's some sort of superhero sort of theme to that. Um, but he's got to fight his way out of this junk world, the help of the Hulk, his brother Loki, and Valkyrie, who's a character introduced and kind of like a love interest introduced in that particular we don't know yeah Uh. but it's 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 pretty it's pretty obvious and you know i think that that's really important in terms of like you know our need of friends right along our faith journey that ultimately he couldn't have done it alone and to a certain extent like we're created for community right that god himself is a community of three persons and so we are built for community and we are built to have friends that help us along in the journey that we're meant to have family that helps us along in the journey and that, that we're not made to go in alone. And that, that ultimately, like, if you if you don't have an accountability partner or somebody that helps you in your faith journey, like, I suggest you find one. You can email Clint. He's he's pretty good at that. <laughs> uh, and even, even if you don't have a specific accountability partner, I think it's important just to have a group of friends that's willing to um, call you to holiness, you know. Yeah. Um, so whatever that be in your life, whether there's a specific sin that you struggle with or maybe just a reminder to hey did you pray today kind of thing Um, just having someone who really really cares about you and loves you to the extent that they're willing to call you up yeah or you know or um i i texted my mom i text my mom for every holy day of obligation just to remind her that she needs to go to mass and i had saw it on snapchat a friend of mine who's uh you know they posted it just kind of talking about how their their mother gives the quote-unquote catholic guilt which i hate that phrase because i don't think it's really catholic guilt i think it's uh you know like a mother showing love because she wants what's best for her children to remind them that it's a holy day uh and she she posted this and it was like in the family group chat and um you know like just small acts like that that sort of remind us because in our busy lives it's really easy to forget (laughs) these sorts of things but as i said he gets the help of the hulk loki and valkyrie to get back Asgard to defeat his sister Hela, who has taken over the the city and the kingdom um, after the death of his father, right? Which is a lot of loss. Um, his father eventually dies, uh, and he blames his brother Loki because Loki is the one who put him under a spell and left him on Earth. Um, mm-hmm. And he's sort of, you know, degraded in his health. But uh, his father gives him some really pointed lessons, and in a lot of ways, like. His father acts as God the Father a lot in that film where he's showing him like his true worth and his true ability in, in himself and um, sort of guiding him and showing him love throughout all of it. And so he he goes back and he eventually realizes uh, that she's way too powerful. And so earlier in the film, like in the very beginning of the film, he comes against this this bad guy, Surtor, who is this like flame demon demon thing he's he's almost kind of like a balrog from yeah yeah kind of in a lot of ways 
And so he's introduced and he talks about how there's this prophecy that he will destroy Asgard. Like he will be the downfall of Asgard. And you have Thor go and defeat him and take off his helmet, which is sort of the source of his power and what makes him alive. And he takes it back to the vault in Asgard to basically prevent Ragnarok, which is the destruction of Mm -hmm. Asgard. But as he's fighting Hela, he realizes that she's entirely too powerful for them. And the only way that he could stop her would be to put... To, to fulfill the prophecy of Ragnarok and put the helmet of Surtur in the eternal flame um, and allow him to destroy his home and in effect destroying Hela. And uh, yeah, I think something about that actually, that realization is even though, and we kind of talked about this in the um, Good and Evil podcast, I think that was last week, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, I don't remember. But when we talked about that, we talked about how. Uh, even within our communities, even though we have the strength, ultimately it's not us who's going to win the victory, you know? So yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. we have to realize that we are not powerful enough uh, when it comes down to it, but that we have to cling to Christ for that. And I think that's a really important realization mm-hmm. that he came to, and it was kind of humbling for him, and especially because... He gets way more powerful in that movie than in yeah. any previous movie. Yeah, and, and like you said, at the beginning, he went and beat... Surturus. That was like kind of his accomplishment. He was really proud of it when he came yeah. back. And then he, after he kind of had this realization, he realized that he had to allow him to regain that power, to, to give up and sacrifice his accomplishments and, and humble himself. And I think that's really representative of ourselves too and how we need to humble ourselves in order to ask for Christ and, and, and give Christ not just our failures, which I think is really easy to do, but also say, Christ, these accomplishments that I gave, those are because of you too. And and I give those back to you to do with as you will. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I think probably a very difficult decision for him because he's basically faced with the loss of his home to save the universe, right? Because Hella reveals that the nine realms or whatever, right? Nine realms Mm -hmm. uh, were originally conquested or taken over by her and her father and that eventually Odin her father sort of backed up from all of that and decided hey uh you know I'm I'm done with the war I'm done with the bloodshed so her goal is to take over the rest of the realms to take over the rest of the universe that's what she wants to do is to go to war with her undead army and so the only way to save the universe is for him to sacrifice his home and you know I think as Christians we should really be able to see this theme in the very life of Christ, right? Faced with giving up his own life, and or the father giving up the life of his son just for our salvation, right? To save those who are persecuting Christ. And I don't think anyone really understood this quite like the martyrs and the saints, right? That they understood that they could give up their lives through, you know, the red martyrdom that you see in the martyrs where they actually gave up their life, or mm-hmm. white martyrdom where... You know, they didn't necessarily die, but they died to themselves, right? They gave up their life. And in a lot of ways, what we're sort of called to, right? To, yeah. to die to our sinfulness, to, to give our lives over to Christ and allow him to live his will and, and through us and for us to continue to, to do that. You know, and they always sort of started with those who were persecuting them. You know, I think of uh, all of the martyrs, but, you know, more specifically, I, I kind of think of like... St. Maximilian Colby, you know, where he's my favorite. Yeah. Where he's, you know, he gives up his life for a man in Auschwitz, Mm -hmm. uh, when he was in the concentration camps there during world war two and his love 
you know, and also he, he was being held together pretty well because they were trying to kill him and he was not dying at first. Yeah. He went like two weeks without food, food or Food, yeah. Water. And they, I mean, they were doing everything they could. I think it was eventually lethal injection. Is mm-hmm. that eventually yeah, how they, they had, had to, to kill poison him? him too. Yeah, but throughout all of it, he had love and joy and he was ministering to and praying to these uh, these soldiers to the point where like when he was doing his prayers, like some of the, the guards actually would join him yeah. in that. Yeah. And the the people that he was with, he led them in prayers yeah, and led songs them in prayer. and stuff too. So yeah, and so so it just you know through living that he was able to bring light to quite honestly probably one of the darkest places in human history. Mm-hmm. He was able to bring the light of Christ to that. And so this nature of loss, right? And we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago. I think it might have been the hurricane episode. I don't quite remember, but you know I had mentioned something about God's permissive versus perfect will and that ultimately God wills what is good for us right he wills us to have life he wills us to participate in his love and that we live in a fallen world and God wills to save it and so God's perfect will is this will of good this will of love this will that we not suffer but his permissive will is such that you know for us to be able to have free will um, he allows some of these things he allows for a certain level of contingency which is really a fancy way of saying a certain level of randomness sort of in the universe so that you know we can actually um have free will that we can actually have an ability to choose Mm -hmm. and you know god doesn't leave us in the suffering uh he doesn't leave us in this permissive will you know he wills what's good but he allows certain things that are bad and he he, he actually turns that on its head to where the suffering isn't futile anymore, that it's not this useless sort of suffering that, oh, I'm just suffering and the world's terrible for it. But he actually uses it to sanctify us, and he uses it to for, for the betterment of all, right? So he, he allows us that we can actually unite our suffering and our tragedies to Christ on the cross, to his loss and his suffering for the salvation of the world. And I think that's a, a beautiful thing that he allows us to to do that. Um, I think of Mother Teresa and, you know, she had that 50 years of darkness, right, where she wasn't able to necessarily feel the presence of God. But she, you know, she cared so much about seeing Christ in others. And she always recognized this, um, you know, her, like she was like, I can't feel Christ. But she was like, would always talk about how beautiful it was that, God was allowing her that special opportunity to unite herself to Christ on the cross, mm-hmm. which is, I think, just so holy. Or I think of like Blessed Kiara, you know, as she had cancer and her hair was falling out. And she would take these clumps and say, uh, this is for you, Jesus. Like, if this is what you want, I want it too. And, you know, just these beautiful testimonies of these saints who realized that, you know, they had this joy because they knew they were able to to work for the salvation of souls through that. And so this sort of brings me to my other theme. As I said, the saints, you know, saw all of this ability to to turn around their loss, and uh, and they understood it, and that this world was not theirs, but the next was. Right. right. That they could lose everything, have everything taken away, they could be martyred, but they could never have the love of God taken away from them. They could never have their place as you know, the church of Christ as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ um, taken away from them. And so we see in the movie uh, through, and this is kind of why I said Odin sort of seems like a father-like 
figure, like the father-like figure in this is because he reminds, uh, he reminds Thor that, you know, Asgard is not a place. It is a people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that we sometimes get caught up on that where we think like, oh, the Catholic Church, that building that I go to on Sundays or maybe just Christmas and Easter. Right. <laughs> and, and this is like a common theme that goes throughout the entire movie. It's brought up mm-hmm. over and over. Over and, and over. And it's actually, I would say, one of the central themes and ideas throughout the story for, yeah. for Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and it's it's this idea that it is not a place, it is a people. And so like we as the Catholic Church, we're not just we're not that building that we go to. We the people are the Catholic Church. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. Yeah. You know, Christ isn't willing to come and be the bridegroom and marry a building. He's coming to marry the peop- his people, right? To unite them with him. Yeah, you know, you you talk about adore sometimes in, in mm-hmm. the podcast and uh one thing any Hickman, the, the president of Adore, he does this really often. I love when he does this is when he gives talks, he doesn't refer to the people in the crowd as whatever, people of Houston, people of Denver, Dallas. Uh, he doesn't even refer to us as Catholic. He, he says, good evening, church, or hello, church. Yeah. You know, and he addresses us in the crowd as, as this body of Christ, this church. And I think that's a really, really powerful statement just in, in that and understanding who our identity is. Right, yeah, that that we are the church, that we are one body of Christ, that we are the bride of Christ, right? The church is the bride of Christ, and that, you know, we're kind of like one giant extended family, right? <laughs> Huge family. Yeah, and honestly, the mission of love starts there. And we, we talk a lot about um, missionaries, and, you know, I'm discerning being a missionary right now, actually with Adore, and we see this and we talk about like mission and, and, you know, like all of us were called to mission, like the whole church is called to mission, but that mission starts there in the family, right? The domestic church, the, the family at home, the, the small family unit that you just had Thanksgiving with and you will celebrate Christmas with, um, that that's a domestic church. And you see like Christ gave us a really good view of mission in his life. Like, yes, he went around for three years preaching the gospel, right? Preaching the gospel of himself. And he spent three hours on the cross dying for our sins. But I think we often forget that he spent three decades before both of those living authentic mission in his family, that he just lived love with his family, with his mother, with his father, Joseph, or his adopted father, Joseph, Mm -hmm. with his family, his friends, his coworkers. I mean, he was a carpenter for 30 years. Well, you know, an apprentice as a child, but but yeah, and, and I think that that's really important. And going back to what you said, like as Catholics, we believe that it, it all begins with a domestic church. It begins mm-hmm. in our family. So obviously, recognizing ourselves, we have to get ourselves in, in a place that's that's right with God too. But for many of us, our primary vocation—if you're called to to the married life—our primary vocation is to get our spouse to heaven. Right. It's, it's to get our our children to heaven, and even if you're not called to marriage. I mean, you still have parents. You still have maybe siblings. Well, you don't, Steve, but, uh, but I have for, cousins. For the most part, we, we have yeah. siblings, you know, we have family and it should be our goal to help get them to heaven, you know? Yeah, actually, it, it's funny. I kind of got that idea. It was, I think, a talk from Chris Stefanik, actually, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But in that same talk, he it's just a, just a funny anecdote. You know, he's talking about the fact that, you know, Christ really started his mission when he was 30. And, 
you know, for all that time, he was pretty much living at home. And he says, kind of gives you a different view of the wedding at Cana when, you know, uh, Mary's like, all right, like do something. It's kind of like, <laughs> all right, you've been home long enough, like time to move out. It's been 30 years. <laughs> you know, so, like you're 30, like get out there. Hey, um, and uh, our society is kind of getting back into that. Where, uh, yeah, we're staying pretty, at home for a really long time. To stay at home until you're 30 now. <laughs> right. But, but you know, I, I we joke, but but really like that that's where it needs to start you know it needs to start and honestly like you see it like christ goes out but he's still loving those that he's with and he's still living those authentic relationships mm-hmm. and that as the people of god like we need to to do that we need to start with the domestic church we shouldn't we we don't have to start at the parish building which yes we need to participate in the sacraments right that's how god has has reached into our world to save us but you know Yes, we should participate in the parish ministries that are offered. We should have a rich parish life. We should participate in our home parishes. But it needs to start at home. Uh, that we need to be living this authentic love at home with our friends and our families and not necessarily at that building. Uh, and only when we can live the gospel there at home can we really have any effect in our parishes. It should really grow out of that shared love in the domestic church. We need to work to see the face of Christ in others, right? Because we, as, as Mother Teresa mentions, like we are the hands and feet of Christ. And, you know, speaking of Mother Teresa in this just whole idea, you know, there's so many stories of people going to India. And I, I think I've already mentioned this in this podcast, but it's still one of my favorite stories of people going to India to serve with her missionaries. And they would like show up and they'd be like, all right, like, what can I do for you? And she would always reply, she'd be like, go home and be a missionary of charity in your family. Mind blown. Right? <laughs> that, yes, we need foreign missionaries. We need people that go and serve the poorest of the poor and, you know, all around the world. But what about the spiritually poor in our families? What about that estranged cousin that has left the faith that you don't really feel comfortable talking to him about the gospel, but he needs it just as much as those people living on the streets? And that we need to to live that, that we need to be missionaries of charity in our families. We have to be preachers of love there first. Yeah, and, and while we're on the Mother Teresa kick, uh, she had another quote that I really liked. She said something along the lines of, if each of us would only sweep our own doorstep, then the whole world would be clean. You know, and it's, it's this idea that we don't need to, like you said, travel all the way across the world to go serve or to go do something good. If everyone just took care of the, the area around them and mm-hmm. the people around them, then we would be able to make the world a better place just from that. Right. And, you know, like that, that is our mission. That is where we are called. And, you know, it may not be comfortable, but that's sort of uh, the Christian life is it's not always comfortable, but it's always sanctifying and it's always beautiful and it's always full of love. And we have to remember all of this that we are the church and we need to act as such, you know, that we are the face of Christ for people in our lives. And, you know, we, we sometimes don't want to talk to that coworker who may be that atheist and, you know, we don't have to go and debate them, but we should go and we should show them love and we should invite them into that relationship with Christ with to encounter Christ himself. And, and I think that's where it really starts, you know, that we are the hands and the feet of Christ in this world. And just for you guys to remember you know, when it seems really hard and it seems like we have everything to lose by living this way, 
I want you guys to keep in mind Matthew 10, verse 39. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And we need to remember to unite that suffering and that loss with Christ on the cross because there's nothing that we'll ever experience that he did not experience in the passion. Yeah, absolutely. And just a quick reminder going off of that, Matthew 10, we're not asking you to go out and, you know, become like a a red martyr like we talked about before, but find that, that suffering in your life and, and offer that up. And that's kind of more of the focus that we're trying to get to. And Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once you've done that, you can start to work on and, and recognize that love within the domestic church and how, how you can do that. So do you right. have a specific challenge then you want to lay out? Yeah, so my challenge would be definitely taking the time to, to remember that you're suffering or whatever you're going through, whatever loss you're going through. One, you don't have to do it alone. So find someone... <laughs> That, that you can you can talk to about it that can help you through it yeah um, make sure you're turning to prayer make sure you're uniting that to Christ on the cross um, and allowing him to enter in there's a place that you really 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 don't want to take Christ like it just hurts too bad that's precisely where he probably wants to go with you because mm-hmm. he wants to redeem that that ultimately yes there is suffering and death on the cross but that's not as powerful as the resurrection. Right, and whatever places we have that loss, whatever places we need to unite with Christ on the cross in His suffering, Christ will then allow to rise and resurrect in us with Him on that third day. Right, that Christ wants to resurrect life in us. It's not just offering up this suffering to Christ on the cross because, well, what else am I going to do with my suffering? It's the promise that Christ wants to resurrect that and give us new life in that moment. Uh, so I would I would challenge you guys to do that. I would also challenge you guys to live the mission of the domestic church, you know, at home to live uh, the mission of the church in your lives with those you know and you love. And it doesn't start with, you know, going and debating your uncle at Christmas about, you know, whether or not the church is this or that or whatever. It's it's going and it's just loving him. It's just loving those people in our lives. It's just loving um, your coworkers and your friends and your families and allowing that joy and that love that you have as a Christian to show through and then inviting them into that relationship, right? To live authentically your relationship with Christ first, to live authentically after, you know, encounter Christ and authentically live it and then invite people to experience that along with you. I, you know, I kind of think of if I have a really, really good friend and I just think they're super cool, like I just want to introduce them to people because I have friends and I think this person's cool and like I think they would be friends. It's sort of the same thing with Christ, but I don't know. It's not really that cheesy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just, I would encourage you guys to do that. There's sort of two themes this week. And so there's kind of two challenges. <laughs> there you go. Cool. So we'll go and do some shout outs. First off, we are drinking a different tea this week. So this tea is actually from uh, my good friend and former boss, uh, Lindsay Berry. So this is actually uh, Barry's tea from Ireland. She had it brought over, and then she gave me a box. So thank you, Lindsay, for the tea. And uh, yeah, so shout out to you. And then I also want to give a quick shout out. So we realized recently that we now have listeners in five different countries, which is just mind-blowing to us. Awesome. So really quick, obviously we have quite a few listeners, most of our listeners are in the U.S., 
But we also have uh, some listeners in Pakistan, Ireland, Canada, and I think the last one was Thailand, but I'm not positive on the last one. So if you are from the country that I may have forgotten, I'm sorry. But <laughs> shout out to all of our international listeners. We appreciate you guys. Yeah, for real. And, you know, like, I think it's a real testament that this podcast is kind of growing <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And that cool. what, we, what we're doing is is ultimately helping you guys in your faith journey because this really isn't necessarily for us. Like we sometimes have ideas and like this is on our heart, but but really this podcast is for you guys, for you guys to get something out of. So, you know, we're really affirmed in the fact that you guys are getting a little bit out of this. And certainly if you guys feel like we're aiding you in your walk along with Christ and your, your relationship with him, Give us your own shout out with your friends <laughs> so we can we can certainly reach more souls for Christ. And maybe some feedback too so we can try and make some adjustments and, and serve you better. Yeah, if there's, you know, if you think that the audio's off or whatever, just, just let us know if there's something you want us to talk about. You know, if you recently watched a movie or, you know, you're really struggling with an aspect of culture, whether it doesn't have to necessarily be a book, a movie, or a TV show, but just any sort of aspect of culture. Sure. Um, let us know and we can kind of talk about it. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining us on the adventure this week uh, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>